Welcome. This is Women Behind Wool, a podcast introducing you to the female face of the Australian wool industry. Yeah, I did beat the boys and they did have to work hard and whatever. But for me personally, it was never about that. It was me because I love sheep and I love shearing and I was good at it. I can bet your bottom dollar that you have never heard of today's guest, Kathy Wendelborn, but you really should have. And after hearing her story, I'm pretty sure you're not going to forget her. She is such a legend and such an unforgettable character of the wool industry. Kathy uh, Wendelborn is arguably the best female shearer to have ever existed in the world. And just a fortnight ago, she was the first female to be inducted into Australia's Shearing Hall of Fame. What I love about this story is that Cathy is so proud of her achievements, but really in a nonchalant kind of way. And she does not for one moment gloat about it. She's just such a fair dinkum Australia. You will definitely hear that in this interview. What I also love is that she pretty much taught herself to shear just by watching and observing others. So she was a shearer in the shearing sheds, but she's also pretty famous for her shearing in competitions right across Australia. The reason that she took part in these competitions was to improve her skills. And she was so successful at them at the same time. She says that she came second countless, countless, countless number of times, but she also won those competitions countless times, much to the disgust of the boys in the competition. I mean, can you imagine what that would have been like back in the day? To add to that, in 1988, in the Bicentenary, she was invited to shear in front of the Queen, where she presented... Her Royal Highness with a staple of wool and you'll hear more about that too. I am really excited for you to hear this chat um, with Kathy, and I'm so glad that we have spoken to her because her tone and her voice is just so classic Australian. It shows the diversity of women in the wool industry that exists now but has also existed for generations. You picked up a handpiece in 1982 uh, for the first time. Tell me about that. Oh, well, um, I've always loved sheep because, like, I've worked on a Dad's always been on the sheep property and some neighbours wanted um, oh, shearing sheep and anyway, they were short of a rouse about. So I said, right, yeah, well, I'll cruise over there and give them a hand and that was okay and I did that for a couple of stints and um, then I got my owner's wool classing stencil and that was okay. And then one of the sheds, like being back in those early days, was very unionised. And a union rep come through the shed and, yeah, got along well. And anyway, he said, I bet you can't shear a sheep at the next shed. I'll see you. I said, bet you I will. From every hour onwards, I'd get on the handpiece of one of the shearers and then just practice and try and learn to shear the sheep. And come the next shed, he rocks it up and I'll show my sheep. Might have taken five minutes, but done it. So is that how it worked out, that every hour you'd hassle one of the shearers to give you a go so that you could practice and get better? Well, it wasn't, wouldn't be the word hassle. They just gave you a go anyway because they wanted to break. So it was pretty good. That, 
boys that I worked with then were good with me, like being a female in the shed. So that was no problem there. From when that point started, well, that's where I got the itch that, yes, I want to learn more and try and get my flow going and see if I can actually do day in, day out instead of just like on the air and see how my body would take it. And um, a couple of friends had one or two stand sheds around Millicent at that time and, yeah, they let me hop on one of the two stand shed and was shearing lambs. And yeah, first day I was sure 80, like narrow gear too. And um, yeah, completed the week and yeah, aches and pains for sure. But that was the first ache and pain I had and the re- body just went with the flow for the rest of it. Did it shock then, you, the aches and pains? Oh, hell no. You're expecting it because you're bent over all the time. Like you, you knew you had to put your body through the paces well and truly because yeah. But then like some more mates, well, you just tried to find somewhere that you could just go and maybe work for an hour to help them out or something to get the flow on but for me to be a shearer I had to do the continuity of the work day in day out not just here there and everywhere and um friends of mine from Millicent they sold their property and bought a place over in WA Esperance so it was after Christmas I said to mum and dad that's it like I'm heading over there with them see if I can get some work over there and get some and yeah we did one fellow was short of a rouseabout across like the neighbour across the road. So I went over there and helped him and then the contract was a bit short and I said, well, I'd like to share more than anything because that's what I want to do. And, yeah, he put me on for 10 months over there around Esperance. So that was good. And that's where I did get the flow on and I could get my own style going, you could say. So this was in 1985. How much of a big deal was it for uh, you as a female to be taken on in such a capacity? Well, back, yeah, as I said, back in the southeast of Millicent, it was sort of very staunch and, yeah, you had your men setting your ways that were, could be allowed in the shed to help but not as a shearer and you had your males setting your ways back in those days because that's just the way they were brought up. They were hard and they were tough. Then, like I'd heard, there was a couple over in WA, so I thought, well, if it can give me a go, give it a chance, I'll get over there. Come Did he get much stick for taking you on on full-time basis? Oh. Um, not, not as, because they didn't know whether I'd last or not, you see. Like, okay, she can shit, but will she last? <laughs> Every year I poke back and that really piss them off. But <laughs> to the point that, yeah, that they didn't know if I would or if I wouldn't, but you'd always have those ones that would give you a hard time and then, oh, you, yeah, you just, yeah, shook your head and just walked away because it, they were that immature and that, their ego just not worth it really I had better things to do in my life and that was to shear and do a good job when you do that it doesn't take much that the farmers talk the shearers talk and once you start getting a good reputation and that's what they want and to do a good job because down in that area they take pride in their sheep because if you put a roughly shorn sheep in the sale yards everyone can see it so it doesn't take long for word to get around. So you really had to, like, do a good job. you got to do that in any work-wise situation anyway. And now you're the first woman to have been inducted into the Australian Shearers Hall of Fame. What does, yeah. that, mean? What does that mean to you? Well, a brilliant end, I suppose, of a brilliant career that I loved and just a pinnacle of everything that I've achieved, like, you think having three kids, all the comps that you won, the world championship, now being inducted into here, 
to know that your face is going to be on the wall now for the rest of eons. No, just proud, really proud. Yeah. Are you surprised? I've just always been a little like a quiet achiever. Right. But um, yeah, you you just poke along and do what you got to do, and yeah, I, I suppose you could say really for me when you got into it a bit more and they accepted that I was going to be there for a long time in the shearing industry and in competition industry and the passion I had, I had a lot of big brothers. That's a beautiful way to put it. I love that. Yeah. Cheering you on, making it hard for you, but also standing up for you at the end of the day. That's it. Like the fierce rivalry we had in competitions but at the end of that, we're all together because we all do the same thing. We all work hard. We all do it for ourselves because you're getting paid per sheet for yourself. So, yeah, whatever you do, that's your income. But if anybody has a hard time, but if somebody had an accident or somebody hurt himself, and I know once year a lot lost an arm in an accident, you just put the hat around a lot to help them because mm. that's what you did. But you don't see that these days. To take a step back. Yep. Oh, we can do that many times. (laughs) (laughs) How was it that you learned to share then? Were people willing to to help you learn or did you have to kind of do it by yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Basically, when I, that union rep asked me to share a sheep, I basically like, yeah, from watching it and, looking and picking up fleece when I first saw a sheep I basically had the right moves there wasn't too much that um the shearer could show me what to do because I just had the basic moves that's where the competitions come in because you were watching the better shearers and picking up certain points and certain blows on a sheep that might work for you but that's where it comes back to practicing in the shed to see what works for you I had lots of mentors in that regard and they were and they were good mates and still have been for many years and have supported me they helped me too but you didn't have those ones that didn't want to and but you knew that after many years and many months you knew what sort of people you could actually talk to and couldn't talk to as you were inducted into the hall of the fame there was mention of your unique style what was your special way of sharing well, it was just my way because like I was, I'm a smaller build. I'm not strong like a six-foot-tall or something like that. But you just had to revert your shearing style to what suited your body and how you could handle the sheep. T- tell me more about that. Like for people that don't know anything about shearing, how did you go about getting fleece off the sheep? Yeah, you start off with the belly and then you've got to start with the left foreleg or back leg going down there and then you've got to head up to the top knot around the head and then you've got to come up the neck and clear the first foreleg and then you've got to hit the long boat and then you've got to come down the last side of the sheep which would be the top of the head going down to the tail so you really had to try and fill your comb up but keep your bottom tooth down so you didn't have um, too many second cuts because that's an expense to the farmer themselves and then you more or less tried to not cut the sheep as well like you, you just want to do a nice clean job. And for you in a competition sense, Kathy, what was it about shearing the sheer quantity of sheep or doing it as quickly as you could? Well, in competitions, it comes down to both, actually. It comes down to time and quality. So you really put under the pressure. You've got to do a good job in a certain amount of time. That more or less tells your experience of how you're capable of shearing sheep. And 
what you have achieved from the previous years before and how you can handle it. That's where you had like in your sheds too, like, okay, you had like weathers, you had rams, you had big ewes, you've had crossbreds, merinos, lambs, all variety of sheep, but you had some good shearing sheep or you had some average shearing sheep and you had some bad sheep as well. But that's where like you brought yourself back to like just poking along in the bad sheep. But if you wanted to test your speed and your quality and that, you could get along in your good sheep. And then your better sheep, you could still do the same. But it was just all coming down to training and practice in the sheds through the week and then putting it all together on the day of the competition and see how you fare. Because when you come to a competition, like it's probably a couple of hundred sheep, somebody has picked them out of a big mob at a farm and then they're trucked into the shed and then they'll run off so many sheep. And then you'll have most probably four shearers in a heat. So you'll take out five, 20 sheep. And you've got to sort the better from the bad to make it all even for each shearer. And once you shear those sheep, well, see how the judges score you at the end of it. And then you'll know if you're sure well or not. Why did you start competing? Oh, because like it was just a, you could improve. You could meet people. You could learn a great bunch of mates to hang with. You, you could win prize money. You could win ribbons just to better yourself more than anything. Yeah, the competitive style, I suppose. How much of it was about taking it to the boys and beating them? Oh, nah, nah, nothing. It was just something I loved. If I sure well, I sure well. If I didn't, I didn't. It was nothing about, okay, it was just one of those things. I was good at it. And, yeah, I did beat the boys. And, yeah, they did have to work hard and whatever. But for me personally, it was never about that. It was me because I love sheep and I love shearing and I was good at it. And if anybody else had a problem with that, well, that's their own individual problem, not mine, because I was just doing something I really enjoyed. What did you love about it? Why do you love it so much? Well, I just always love sheep, hey? And you were working hard, but you, you know you were doing it for yourself. Like you're putting your time and energy into creating a masterpiece and every sheep was a masterpiece because you don't get two the same. They're all different and you've got to try and get your skill and your knowledge around those individual sheeps to um, get the wool off and in a nice tidy fashion that the sheep goes out the porthole for the farmer and he can actually sell it in the sale and get a good price. And it's just something, yeah, I suppose ever since I was a little girl, I just love sheep. It was just one of those things. I'm an animal person, a sheep person. <laughs> Did you ever want to be on the other side, actually being the farmer and not the shearer? No, because with the shearer, yeah, you could get out and about. You weren't limited. You could travel. You could go places. You could do everything. No, like I've had, I've got pet, I've had pets and all that throughout my life, but no, not to be a farmer as such. That's never entertained my idea. No. I suppose too much of traveling, too much of meeting people and getting out and about and learning about the rest of the country and how they work. Surely you had to be really clever, Kathy, in like the way that you treated the blokes on the board because, well, I suppose the question I should ask you before that is were there any other females shearing when you were? Well, there was a couple back in my day. Yes, there was. And, yeah, like there was a couple of comps back in 1998 in Inverell and Melbourne and I won both of them, but that's okay. But there were some getting around, but they didn't have – they didn't last. They were most 
probably could be five years max, that'd be about it. But they didn't have the yeah, time frame that I've had. When I did get back from Western Australia and this fella, it was a mate of mine back at that time too, this farmer was short of a shearer. And anyway, he said, well, I know this one shearer, but she's a female and she can come here and she can do the half a day. Well, he said, well, okay. Anyway, rocked up there. I did 100 for the afternoon. So, yeah, bit of a shock, but most impressed. And from that time onwards, I was getting farmers ringing me up, wanting me to shear their sheep. So it come to a point where I had my own sheets. The farmers were ringing me to organise their shed, to shear their sheep at such a time that fits in with my schedule. So really, at that point, that was good because they respected me for who I was and my work ethic and what I stood for. Did you have and to have to take a few, a lot of hard knocks before getting to that point? Oh, well, shit, yeah, but it doesn't bother me. As I said, that but never Tell me about me. them. Tell me, like paint a picture of well, what the oh, context well, was in always, the sheds. Well, you always had those remarks. Okay, there was one comp there at Balmoral. And anyway, it was back at the wide, narrow gear business. And it come to the point that you could either shear wide or narrow. It was allowed in this comp. And anyway, I sure wide and I made the final in the open. <laughs> and anyway, I had these comments, you shouldn't be here. Mm. <laughs> Guess what? I am. And then some guys won't even get the shear and toolkit out if they know I'm in the shed. And so I think, well, I'm there to do my job. No, nah, mm. as I said, it doesn't bother me because I did what I did and I was good at it. Can you tell me a little bit about how many comps you did win oh god most probably about eight or nine like open a senior in like my career but I've made many finals and come seconds and seconds and all seconds and like a bridesmaid you think oh god it can only be a point or a couple points and then talk, oh god but anyway it doesn't matter you were there and that's what everybody noticed because yeah like if she was there, she was she was going to be good. And, yeah, they had to shear well. And it, everything runs or clicks together on the day, sheep, shearing-wise, whatever. But, yeah, there was I made the final in many comps. And there was one year, 96, I think it was, because I retired from competition shearing in 1999. And, yeah, 96 I made, yeah, I think from then I, I made most of, yeah, all the finals that I shore in. Um, 99. Um, that was when I went up to Longreach and the Diamond Shears that was on up there and I made the final, first woman ever to make the final up there, but I also made the um, state final as well. I was the top highest qualifier for South Australia. So that's the first two as a female. Yeah, I just took it in my stride because that's what I did. That's what nothing really stopped me, even, not even phasing me with my kids. Like even when I saw in front of, the Queen and Prince Philip. Well, I was pregnant with Shane in April and had him in August. I went to a comp. I won the women's bicentennial at Inverell, most probably months later. And, yeah, they all knew I was feeding Shane and, yep, between Shane and Sharon, well, yep, that was the go. Um, <laughs> Hang on, just on. tell me, just um, <laughs> so, so I was going to ask you about, t- tell me about the time that you, won a competition and you and part of the prize was to shear for the queen 
Oh, no, um, that wasn't a competition. That was invitation, the Queen. No, that was organised to go down. That wasn't a competition. Okay. That was organised to go down to the shear in front of the Queen. Yeah, no, mates of mine, uh, Graham Trotter, he rang me and um, they would wanted to do a shearing demonstration, two shearers, two machine and two blade. And that's when Graham rang, rang me and, yeah, got to, so the four of us were shearing down there in front of the Queen and Prince Philip when they come through and open the Wool Museum. At Geelong, at the oh, at Museum. And what yeah. year was it? 1988, yep. What was that like? Did you did you speak oh, to her? Oh, brilliant. Oh, well, it was a bit hard. I can't remember the words now, long ago, but something about would you like a piece of wool or something. Hello, they gave her a piece of wool. She took that. But to the point, it was, it was an experience because you had to have all your security passes, which is what you have to do. And being pregnant at the time, you had to use the toilet a fair bit. But anyway, um, yeah, the guard so got to know me. So. You, you were pregnant while yep. you were doing this demonstration. Yeah, I was still in, shearing. In front of the Queen. How well, far along were you? Up, well, what was that? The would have been end of April. Shane was start of August. So, yeah. But I was still doing odd jobs of, like, still working basically up in time. I had all my kids anyway. Either I was shearing, crutching or helping Dad on the farm. Did your belly get in the way? Oh, no. It'd be like one of the big guys with a beer gut, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And did you have to curtsy in front of the queen? Well, no, because I had sheep. I was holding a sheep. I couldn't do nothing like that. No, no, you couldn't do any of that. So, no, holding sheep and they stood there. And Prince Philip, he was talking to Graham Trotter for a while and he knew a fair bit about the shearing techniques being used. So, yeah, it was good. But that, that, that good memories. What was the hardest thing about it? Hard, what do you mean hard? To find anything hard, that's, that's what I find the problem with, your wording. Right. <laughs> what, what did you hate about it? Well, I didn't hate it. That's it. I loved it. I'm just, just that sort of person. I, I don't do that. Like, okay, you just take it on board. You're going to have good times. You're going to have bad times. But you've got to work through it. Okay, you'll have shitty covered stained weathers or ewes that you've got a crutch for the farmers and that might be messy and whatever and you'll get some grumpy shearers because you do but it never bothered me it, you just had to poke along because it was a job like you still got paid for it and I've, I've never had that frame of mind so I've never thought that I just hooked in done my job yeah don't win and play no no point like get on with it what don't you miss about it what don't I miss? Mm. Um, what, what do you miss and what don't you miss? What don't? Oh, what do I miss? Well, I miss like, yeah, the characters of the old that you had because, yeah, some of it, like it was dry sense of humour, but you laughed and you all hooked in and got along sometimes. And But what I don't miss, I can't answer that question. I'm sorry. How did you manage it as a mum? with kids and being pregnant and with newborns? Oh, you just took it on, didn't you? That's what you had to do. Did you? Um, Did you still shear when you were, when you were breastfeeding kids? Shear to. Had to. And that's what I said to the guys when we were, we're never going to run short of milk here. <laughs> it was just, yeah, what you had to do because you had to work. You had to make a living. Like, yeah, uh, we had a great daycare lot of ladies at Millicent because, um, I dropped the kids off at seven because most of the sheds were within like 15, 20 minutes of where I lived or if not, I wasn't too far away at um, yeah, start working up by seven or if not, they'd open earlier or you had mates that 
or good friends that you dropped them off and they just took them up there if they had further sheds away. But, yeah, no, come the air. They had fridges, did the breastfeeding, put the milk in the fridge, took it home and you gave it to the whoever looked after the kids the next day for their feed. It was just what you had to do. Did you love having your kids when they were a bit older on the board and in the shed? Have they taken on any oh, footsteps? Hell yeah. Oh, yes. Like, yeah, no, they, especially because like in some sheds, like it was just me and we're poking along just to fill off a straggler here or something like that. I'd have the cot there and they'd be in their little cot just watching and whatever. And yeah, they just loved sheep and loved working too. And they just knew that, yeah, that's what you had to do. Have any come on to be shearers too? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, not at all. No, I'm the only shearer in my family. So if I were to quantify, well, to try and quantify all you've done, what's the highest number of sheep you've shorn um, in a day? Yeah, um, 286 I short. Well, 20 past nine, the farmer says we've got to crutch these. I thought, oh, God, there goes my 300. So 286 and crutch 52 sheep in the day so I can't actually say I'm sure 300 but and put can anyway. you put that into context like does is that more than any male or oh well no no it, it's good like it, it it can be more than some males that's for sure yes. um some have never shown 200 in a day before but I, I could do that no worries yeah some yeah I'm quite happy to poke along at a certain pace or sheer numbers and so with ewes, what's the what's what's like your average that you would be able to shear? Oh well, anything above 150, 200, yep. 220, yeah, mm-hmm. in, anywhere in that range. Because yeah, with merino ewes, crossbred ewes, it can be a lot easier, being just a lot more straighter. But then they can be a lot more heavier and fatter too. If you get a good shear in merino, yeah, they're pretty good. Kathy, when did you decide that it was time to call it a day? Well, when I was up here in Queensland, I wanted to retire around the 40 mark anyway. And in that late 2000s, the drought, sheep numbers declining. Because when I first came up here, there was five shearing contractors and you could work 12 months a year. Come to the early 2000s, you only had one or two contracts. The sheep numbers were down. The drought, they just weren't here. And I thought, well, I don't want to start travelling because, like, I had – kids at boarding school and then Shan, my youngest well she was only young too and I thought well I'm still young enough and silly enough to learn a new trade so I did um the bakery was up for sale so let's have a go and either make or break really why did you decide to become a baker it couldn't be they couldn't be two different things apart from the fact maybe that you get up early in the morning well to the point when you're here in Coolpie it's only a little town And if you wanted to make like a bit of a living or income, you either had to work or go out and do something. And I thought, well, the bakery was up for sale. The freehold, I mean, the leasehold on the motel was up for sale. But that's not yours. But the bakery would have been. So I thought, well, give it a go. Like, why not? Still young. So we did. And how's your body holding up? Good. Good. Yep. Fit as a fiddle. (laughs) <laughs> no, doctor's quite happy with my health results every time I go in from a 12-monthly health checkup. <laughs> it's been so fascinating to chat with you, Kathy, and I would love to share a beer with you and hear some more of your shearing day stories about what it was like on, well, the, like, on the board. 
like that comp there at Adelaide that time that you read, hey, where I had just had my daughter. She was born on August the 27th and they had a sharing comp in Adelaide. I think that's about the second week of September. And anyway, I went out to the shed to shear about 26 or 27 sheep just to get some practising because, yeah, I was going to the comp. There was 15 of us in the competition. The top six who qualified go into the final and I came seventh. So what are all them other guys that I beat just having a kid two weeks ago? Absolutely. (laughs) How you could even do that physically, I don't know. I'll see, this is it. Yeah, you just got to do it. It's all mindset, my dear, and heart. See What I Mean isn't Cathy Wendelborn such an unforgettable character that, I mean, her turn of phrase is just just so wonderful. I'm going to include in the show notes a handful of links uh, from Cathy's induction into the Shearing Hall of Fame. And to add to that, if you want to see a slice of history with some images of Cathy um, and also some newspaper clippings from her heyday, then you can see them at Women Behind Wool on Instagram or, of course, on our website, womenbehindwool.com.au. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you love wool, if you believe in sustainable fashion or that more women should be wearing wool across Australia, then please tuck it in your pocket and remember to share it when you come across someone who is interested in these sort of things and educating themselves further. That's it for this week and um, catch you next week.